This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of her man this one has been taken. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. Poetic words, prophetic words, because they reveal the way man and woman are created to relate to one another as God intended. But our gospel and the confrontation about divorce reveals the way men and women have suffered in trying to live up to what God intended. And the challenge the Pharisees put before Jesus is to see if he falls in line behind Moses, who permitted a husband to write his wife a bill of divorce. But Jesus refuses to be baited by the question and so he restates what God intended. And Jesus doesn't let the Pharisees get away with the baited question. It is because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses wrote you this commandment, he says. And so we must be clear in what scripture is trying to tell us here. Divorce is not the issue. Marriage is not the issue. The issue is hardness of hearts. And therein lies the tension between the world as it is and the world as it should be. And it seems if we can't live in a world as it should be, we end up settling for a world as it is with no ideals because we don't want to live with the tension. But that's not what's most fundamental about Christianity. What's fundamental about living the Christian life is about living in the tension of things, to push each other towards their ideals in spite of the tensions that they bring. Because what exists between the world as it is and the world as it should be is the one thing that we share in common, regardless of who we are, our circumstances, or who is to blame for our misery. And that is, we all suffer. Such is our fate in which there is no escape but for Christ. And here the letter from Hebrews has something to say. In speaking of Jesus, Hebrews says, for it was fitting that he, Jesus, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the leader to their salvation perfect through suffering. So Jesus, in whom all things exist, is made perfect through suffering. How are we to understand this? Well, we know the story. For God, the creator of all that exists, will become one with creation in the sun, knowing how dangerous we are, will suffer and die. But he will rise because he never lost faith in who his father said he was from the beginning, a beloved son, 
a beloved whose nature is to love and to forgive everything. Biblically understood, to love is to suffer. To forgive is to suffer. To have faith is to suffer. But it is a suffering that does not diminish our humanity, but rather dignifies it. It is a necessary suffering that proves true love, true forgiveness, true faith. It seems our culture understands faith more than it understands how to be faithful. And if faithfulness is to suffer for the good of the other, then what happens to faith when we've forgotten how to suffer for each other? It seems we need to rediscover faith as that suffering virtue, both learned and especially nurtured in marriage, that holds true and necessary for any faithful commitment within a family, community, church, city, nation. There is a story about the funeral of Martin Luther King in which one of the reporters covering the event stopped to talk to an old man standing at the edges of a cemetery. The reporter asked him, what did this man mean to you? The old man, overcome with emotion, answered simply, he was a great man because he was faithful. He believed in us when we had stopped believing in ourselves. And he stayed with us even when we weren't worth staying with. To listen to this story, one may think, wow, that sounds a lot like my marriage. And if so, you would be right, because a good marriage is exactly like that. What the old man had defined so accurately is what faith means. To be full of faith means precisely to be faithful. Because in the end, faith is not simply the good and secure and fuzzy feeling that God exists. Rather, faith is a commitment to a way of living beyond good and secure feelings. Ultimately, faith is not in the head or the heart, but in the action of a sustained commitment. Faith is fidelity, nothing more, nothing less. My father told me about the three rings in any lifelong marriage, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. My point being that in any lifelong commitment, there will be some level of self-suffering self-sacrifice that is inherent and necessary in any committed covenantal relationship. For anybody who has been in any kind of committed relationship inside of marriage, friendship, faith, church, anything, there are days when your commitment can feel like suffering. But long range, you know that that commitment brings you life because faith is not always those things we think we should do, which is in our head. And faith is not always those things we feel we should do, 
which is in our heart. Rather, faith is doing those things we have to do, whether we call it our intuition or our conviction. It is that deeper part of us. Perhaps more than anything else, the gift of faithful fidelity is what is needed today in our families, in our churches, in our world in general. The greatest gift of faith we can give to those around us is the promise of fidelity, the simple promise to stay, to not leave when things get difficult, to not walk away because we feel disappointed or hurt, to stay even when we don't feel wanted or valued, to stay even when our personalities and visions clash, to stay through thick and thin. But too often what happens in our commitments is that we subtly blackmail each other. That is, we commit ourselves inside of a family, church, community, and friendship, but with the unspoken condition that we will stay together as long as we are not seriously disappointed. But no family, friendship, church, or community can survive on this premise because it is simply impossible to live or work with each other for any length of time without seriously disappointing each other. The fact is, we can't promise we will always be for perfect, but we can promise we will stand by each other, support each other, sacrifice for each other, suffer for each other in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. And in the end, that promise is enough because when there is faith and fidelity within a relationship, eventually the hurts and misunderstandings will wash clean and turn to understanding and from understanding to love. <laughs>